Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. All right, take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. We've been studying through the book of Ephesians. It's a rich, it's a rich book. There's so many good things. So many wonderful promises. If you just go through and underline the promises from God in, in the book of Ephesians, it's full for, for His people, for His children. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. He talks about keeping the unity here, keeping the unity in the body of Christ with the believers. How, how is this, this going to happen? Uh, through humility. Through us being humble toward each other, this humility in the, in the body of Christ and even in, in our home and in all of our relationships, how important that is. We may say, how is it that we can be so, uh, so in unity, although we're so different? The truth of the matter is, is we're not all that different. No matter how how different we think we are, we're not all that different. But our unity is not based upon ourselves anyhow. As you continue to read down through these next few verses, verse 4 and verse 5 and verse 6, he talks about the unity is that we are in one body, that we have one spirit. There's one hope, one Lord, one faith. One baptism. One God. Uh, Look at verse 6 where he says the one God. And God, the Father of all, who is above all, and through all, look at this, and in you all. And so God the Father, He is all. But we've said that many times here, that our first purpose of the church is to glorify and honor God. Why? Because He is in all, through all, He is all. He is uh, the most important part of, of the body of Christ, being the chief cornerstone, if you will. But these things are what it is that brings this unity. The message this morning is not about unity. I just thought we'd point that out as we read through those verses. The message this morning is about our walk. It's about our walk. Although as believers, as Christians, we are to walk in unity. Now when I say that the message is about our walk, you may say, well, you know, walk, that sounds like works. And we've already uh, gone through the first couple chapters of Ephesians. Paul makes clear that our position in Christ is very important for us to understand. This is what Christ has done. The work that Christ has done. But here's the, here's the key. 
Christ did a great work so that we can now walk in liberty. So as you look at the chapters of Ephesians, he talks so much about in Christ. That, that would be the, the theme of Ephesians. I, 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 I encourage folks as you read through Ephesians to underline each time it says in Christ, in Christ, and then the blessing or the gift that comes, the promise that comes with that, in Christ. So he makes sure in the first two and even three chapters, before he starts talking about our work, our service, before he starts talking about even our uh, spiritual warfare and all those things that goes on, he wants the believer, he wants the Christian to know who they are in God's eyes, who they are in Christ, and the, and the hope that we have in that. He says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, we've already studied this, but for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works of man, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus on two good works that He hath before ordained that we should, look at this, walk. In them. Now, I encourage us to look at every time in Ephesians where it says in Christ, but if you begin to look at every time now in Ephesians where it talks about our walk, our walk in Christ. And when I, when I talk about our walk, I'm talking about um, the daily decisions that we make. Before he talks about uh, our choices and our service and our walk in Christ, he, he's already established that we are chosen, that we are adopted that we are accepted, that we are saints, that we are raised, that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that we are quickened or, 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 or made alive, that we are uh, blessed, he says, with all spiritual blessing. Well, that's good news. That's good for, news for those that are in Christ. But with all those great promises that we have and great future that we have, I guess... We're going to take our heads out of the clouds a little bit this morning and look more at the practical day-to-day application. Now, if you would have been a believer in Ephesus at the time that you received this letter from the Apostle, you would have received this letter of encouragement, right? If you would have read these things, the things that he said to them, all those blessings and all those promises, that would have been a great encouragement and it would have been a great help. Specifically when you read the parallel passage in Acts chapter 9, 19, when, when Paul was at Ephesus and the persecution that the believers, it was a small group of believers, the persecution that they were experiencing. If you would have been in Ephesus and you would have read this letter come from the Apostle Paul, you could have walked right outside in that present day in Ephesus and you would have seen this magnificent temple built of marble. Uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world built to the goddess Diana. Uh, the, the whole city was given over to what the Bible calls idolatry. And so that's what the believers were living in. They had all these wonderful promises that were to come, but yet they were living in an area with a people in a time that it was not going to be easy for them to live out their faith and to walk in those blessings and promises. So then he begins to address their daily walk, the decisions that they were going to have to make as they begin to walk with Christ and follow Christ. He gives them help. 
That's the thing about the scripture of the Bible, is it's practical. I mean, the Bible is practical. It will help us with our daily lives. It is relevant to today. Uh, he begins to give them in Ephesians, and it becomes very, very practical. I mean, by the end of Ephesians, he's talking about your marriage, your married life, your raising children, your, um, your, uh, uh, your career as an employee or as an employer. He talks about spiritual warfare. All those things he goes into here, and that would be considered our walk, the choices that we make the daily choices that we make, um, the steps that we take in our walk. Now, we've read the first few verses of this Ephesians 4. Skip with me to the last few verses of Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and verse 30, it says this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one toward another, one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, let's, this is a, this is, these are great verses. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed. Um, this seal, this Holy Spirit of God indwelling the believer, we've talked about that, that God will come in. Paul says to the Corinthians, What know ye not that your body is the temple? Of the Holy Ghost. So back up just a a chapter or two in Ephesians 1, and he says this. This is exciting because I I got to see this happen in real life last night. There's two people uh, praying and asked Jesus Christ to save them, and then their remark to me was, I feel the Holy Spirit inside. And said, Yeah, this what was written 2,000 years ago is relevant to today. It still works today. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So first you hear the word, you hear the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God came in the flesh and died for our sins. He says after that you heard that, he said you believe. So we, we hear it, and everybody that hear it believes it. But when you hear it and you believe it, look what he says. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You say, how do I know that all those blessings in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2, I'm accepted, I'm chosen, I'm blessed with all spiritual blessing, uh, you know, I, I'm raised with him, seated in heavenly presence. How do I know that those are for me? You have the seal. You have God's seal. You have God's Holy Spirit that is in us. That seals us. Look at the next verse. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. So, until the redemption of the purchased possession of the praise of God. The Holy Spirit is our proof of purchase. That God has us. That we are His and He is ours. God gives that Holy Spirit. Now He says, so, back to Ephesians 4, our daily walk. Grieve not the Holy Spirit that's in you. 
So he's given us the Holy Spirit, those that have heard the truth and believed it, accepted it. But now, but now our Christian life, our Christian walk is as simple as, and it's not simple by the way, but it is as simple as walking and not breathing the Spirit. In other words, we now are to walk in harmony with God. And we are able to do that by His Holy Spirit that is in us, to walk in, in sync with the Holy Spirit that's in us. I think that's neat. He says, uh, grieve not the Holy Spirit. To, to grieve would be to, to bring pain, to afflict, to wound one's feelings. Uh, I think of the verse in Amos where he says, can two walk together? except they be agreed. And so I think we've probably already figured out or probably already guessed that the Holy Spirit doesn't have to agree with us. It's us that has to agree with the Holy Spirit. That's the sanctification process of us surrendering and agreeing to the prompting, to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit, when I say the Holy Spirit, I just... You know, I want to make sure that we're, we're, we're on the same page here. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, so, this, we, we were talking about salvation last night. And, uh, and, and, and they, were, uh, uh, they were telling me, they said, well, we believe in God. And we know these things. But we don't know that we have God living inside of us. And I said something like this. Uh, if someone as big as God moves inside, you'll know it, right? If someone as big as God is living inside, we're going to know that. If the Holy Spirit, if the third person of the Trinity is now living inside of us, then we're going to we're going to we're going to know it. And He says to not grieve God, not grieve the Holy Spirit. Again, to grieve would be to offend, to displease, to make sorrowful, and just like a parent who would be grieved knowing that their child was doing things that hurt themselves or hurt others, the Holy Spirit of God is grieved in our lives as we make choices and take steps that will hurt us or hurt others. I think of the verse in 3 John chapter 4 where it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. To walk in truth. That's what would grieve the Holy Spirit is on truth. If we were walking in untruth, if we were walking in sin, such as, he gives us examples of that, such as, look at verse 31, examples of things that would grieve the Holy Spirit. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He's saying, look at these things are examples in our life that would come out that would grieve the Holy Spirit. He tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, he says, let us also walk in love. Verse 2. We're to walk in love. Verse 8 of Ephesians 5, he says that we should walk in the light. I think of the verse in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 where he says, but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light. 
we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. So we're to walk in love. We're to walk in the light. He says uh, we're to walk circumspectly in Ephesians 5.15, which means that in our walk we're to be watchful. We're to be aware of our surroundings. We are to be on guard of ambush, if you will. He tells us in Galatians, Paul, again, the letter to the, to the folks at Galatia, he says, hold your finger there in Ephesians 4 and turn to Galatians 5, the book right before Ephesians. He says in Galatians 5, he talks a lot about this walking in the Spirit. In Galatians 5, verse 25, he says this, He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Back up a little bit to verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He says in verse 18, but if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, as the Holy Spirit begins to lead us, as we choose to take the steps and follow the direction that He leads, um, instead of maybe uh, us having in our mind, I I have to stop this thing, I have to quit this thing, I have to uh, quit this vice or this thing that may be destroying my life, it may be easier to say, instead of focusing on the thing that I have to stop doing, is begin to focus on the thing that I have to do, and that is to follow Christ, to be filled with the Spirit, to daily seek the Spirit's leading. And He will do that. He will do that. There are some things in our lives that the Holy Spirit is not pleased with, and He will uh, put His finger on that at times and say, hey, put this thing off. Uh, But He'll also say, put this other thing on. And so Paul, in the book of Ephesians, tells us when you go for a walk, there's some things that you should put off and there's some things that you should put on. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. He says that ye put off. See that? That ye put off concerning the former conversation. In other words, what Paul's saying there is put off the former walk or put off the former way of life, the former way that you were headed, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Verse 25, wherefore putting away, lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. So he says, hey, as we begin this walk with the Holy Spirit, as we begin to be led by God's Spirit, there's some things in our lives that the Holy Spirit may say to put off. Look at verse 27 of Ephesians 4. He says, Neither give place to the devil. Now, that's a good person to put off. If you're going to put anyone off... Putting the devil off is a, is a good person to put off. I think of how the Bible starts in Ephes- uh, Genesis chapter 3 where it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Eve, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat 
of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. And then she goes on to have a debate and an argument with them. Uh, Man, you know what? Eve should have just put him off. When he came up and started this conversation with her, uh, the right thing would have been, um, Mr. Devil, I'm too busy right now with a perfect home and a perfect garden and a perfect life to get into a debate with you that's going to end up destroying not only me, but the whole world, right? I mean, there's just some things that we should put off, some things that aren't even worth the debate to just get away from, not to give him a place, a foothold in our mind. Just put them off. Just put them off. In Revelations, the Bible talks about Satan um, being the one that has deceived the nations. He's a deceiver. He'll come in and he'll try and cause confusion in our mind and in our life, and he will uh, bring destruction. He talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I think of 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 where the Bible says this, for this cause, for this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil. You say, well this this is a little negative here. Um, well, it is. It is a little negative in the sense there's some things that we got to put on. But to have a full charged life, you have to have the negative and the positive, right? So that's the negative. There's some things to put off. Here's the positive. There's some things that we put on. There's some things that we put on in our walk with Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24, look at what he says. And put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So he says, okay, there's some things that we put off. There's some things that we put on. He says, okay, how do I put on the new man? He says in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of our mind. In other words, as we put on the new man, we're not going to necessarily change how we look on the outside. But what's going to change is our mind, the way that we look at things, the way that we perceive things, now that we can walk by faith and not by fear, not by sight. All these things will change in our mind as we put on the new man. I think of Paul and his testimony of being the old man and the new man. There could not be a greater uh, a difference or testimony of a changed person. Someone that put off an old way of life and put on a new. We're talking about Saul who consented unto the death of Stephen. We're talking about the man that the Bible says he breathed out threatenings and slaughter toward those that were Christians. To as we see the rest of his life being uh, given as a sacrifice to the people of God. And the letters that he wrote to the churches were so encouraging and so helpful. And specifically as I think of Paul even suffering in prison as he writes the encouraging, rejoicing letter of Philippians. There couldn't be a a more obvious, a changed life than Saul. The same can be true for us as we put off the old man and begin to put on the new by simply walking after the Spirit. You know what this will do? By putting off and putting on. By the way, uh, just because we put some things off doesn't mean that we put the other things on. I think both are important. We shouldn't just be living a life of saying, i got to stop this, got to quit that but a life that's saying, I want to put on Christ. 
I want to put on that Holy Spirit. I want to walk in fellowship with Him and put on those things that are good in our life. And with those things, the positive and the negative, I believe that we can be charged. We can be supercharged. And the Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 31, they shall run and not be weary. They shall what? Walk and not faint. How is it in our Christian life that we can continue in a walk that is in that is uh, without fainting, without being worn out or tired, it is by allowing God's Spirit in us to energize us. Because He truly will. Look what He says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. As we begin to walk this new walk, uh, it will affect our practical, everyday lives. Look at verse 28. He says, Let him that stole steal no more. But rather, let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may give to him that need it. And so now, this new walk, this new way of life, there's a, there's a negative and a positive in this verse. Isn't there? He says, let him that steal, steal no more. So, as you begin this walk with Christ, put that stuff off. But, put on working with our hands, that we may be not only able to provide for our own need, but be able to provide for those uh, around us. That's the walk with the Lord. It's going to affect our hands. He says that a walk with the Lord is going to affect our mouth. Look at uh, verse 29. Verse 29 of Ephesians 4. He says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, to the use of edifying. That word edifying means build up, right? Help, encourage, built up. Uh, to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearer. Look at verse, he actually says quite a bit about this. Look at verse 25, he talks about putting away lying and speaking truth. Verse 31, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. In other words, as we begin to walk in the Spirit, as we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, uh, it will affect the way we talk. You may say, well, you know, I'm just speaking the truth. Um, But hold on. If I'm reading these verses right, there is a way to speak truth, right? Uh, He says... We can speak truth if it's good for the use of edifying. If it ministers what? Grace to the hearer. So in other words, you know, we could say, I just told them the truth, whether they like it or not. We may say, uh, you know what that is? That's grieving the Holy Spirit. You may have just grieved the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it didn't edify. Because it didn't minister grace to the hearer. Um, is it true that we could speak the truth, but we can do it in an unkind way? Is it true that we can speak the truth, but we don't do it with a tender heart? In other words, the purpose of our words is not to help, but to maybe even prove our point or to show we're right or to whatever reason why we would speak the truth. And then we can walk away almost like a badge of honor and say, but we told the truth and we told them, I don't care how, you know. That's just rude, right? And you know what ultimately that hap- you know what ultimately happens is that grieves the Holy Spirit, right? And so it's important that we speak the truth. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but that we do it with a purpose of saying, 
this is to edify. This is to build up. This, this also should have grace with it. Seasoned with salt, right? Grace in there. So that the hearer of it is not totally blown out of the water. <laughs> that it, uh, we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He says uh, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, I like this. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Now peace is the, fruit of, is the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Love, joy, peace. Peace is the fruit of the Spirit. And he says this, And let the peace of God rule in your heart. In other words, if we've grieved the Holy Spirit through something we've done, something that we've said, we might start losing some peace. Holy Spirit, right? And so I think that this, letting the peace of God rule in our heart, is a good gauge on our walk. As we're walking along, and we're like, I'm losing peace. I've lost my peace. From time to time, isn't it smart in our, in our walk to check our own gauges? Kind of see where we're at in our gauges? You say, what's the gauges? How do I check the gauges? Uh, well, one of the gauges to see how, how it's going is uh, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Those that we've already mentioned, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all those things. And we may end up at that point saying, okay, I need to change course. Maybe there's something I need to put off. Maybe there's something that I need to put on in doing that. As we talk about being led of the Holy Spirit, I think... Probably, we back up just a little bit, the most important part before being led of the Holy Spirit is, do we have the Holy Spirit? Has there been a time in our life where we have received Christ as our Savior, where we've accepted that good news, the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and just as we said, we heard the Gospel, we believed it, and we were sealed with the Spirit. Now as believers, we can begin to walk a life that is led by the Spirit, being sensitive that we don't grieve the Spirit. In closing, maybe we've been sitting. Maybe we've been sitting and the Holy Spirit says, now it's time to walk. There's some things in our life that we need to start implementing. There's some things in our life that we need to start doing that the Holy Spirit's been putting uh, on us. And now's the time to say, okay, I'm going to make this decision to get up and take those steps of faith. Take that initiative to be filled with the Spirit, and to be able to walk in the Spirit. You know, stop hesitating and take that first step, that step of faith. We may, you may be sitting there saying, what, what does that even mean to take that step of faith? Well, how did we begin to walk in the Spirit in the first place? How was it that we uh, uh, received God's Spirit? It was by faith. It was by faith. And that's going to be the way that we continue to walk in the Spirit, right? Is by faith. Many times we're waiting for that clear path. We're waiting for a path where there is no uncertainty. Um, that's typically not the way the Spirit leads, is it? Many times He'll lead us into a direction where there is uncertainty. Why? So that we have to have faith. So that we cannot walk by faith sight. Here's what we do. We hear the Word of God, and then we act upon it. We take that step. We take that walk in faith immediately. 
upon Him revealing it to us. Our first step in this walk with the Lord, maybe there's some things that the Holy Spirit, I'm not trying to uh, give you my opinion of what we need to put off. I think the Holy Spirit will give us what we need to put off. I think the Word of God will show us what we need to put off. So, But maybe the Holy Spirit in, in our lives is put it on us and says, hey, there's some things here that we need to put off. There's some things in our life that we need to put off. But then the Holy Spirit will also say, hey, there's some things in our life that we need to put on. Some things that we may, maybe need to start going with. Uh, being sensitive to watch that gauge. That peace gauge. Right? You ever been stranded on the side of the road because you run out of gas? You weren't watching the gauge, right? Sometimes we can get stranded in our spiritual life because we haven't been watching the gauge. We're just trying to plow through, plow through on a, in our own strength and in our own ability. Maybe it's time to stop and look at the gauge and say, let me allow the peace of God to rule in my heart. Let me be sensitive not to grieve the Holy Spirit so that I'm walking in harmony with Him. By His grace, by His strength, He can energize us. He can be the wind in our sails. I mean, Holy Spirit, He can be our sail. I mean, He can be our all in all. As we look at our speech, how we use our words, are they meant to build up? Are they meant to be, be gracious to people? As we look at our hands, what are we using our hands and our walk for? Is our life being in harmony with God's Spirit? The Holy Spirit... Yes, He's sealed us. Yes, He's proven our eternal inheritance. But the Holy Spirit of God also will affect the practical parts of our life. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website or... You could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.